What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to discuss some of the free agency things going on and um, some of the signings and all that stuff. But before I do, I want to just kind of, just on a side note, want to discuss a couple things also regarding free agency. So first of all, a lot of the guys that we see getting signed right over the last week and so on, and that we will see getting signed over the next few weeks are going to inevitably lead to guys that are currently on your favorite team's roster that are going to be released, right? Those guys, like for example, um, you know, we saw the Minnesota Vikings sign Dalvin Tomlinson, and then basically in a corresponding move, they released Shamar Stefan. I mean, that made it much less, um, much less of a financial blow for them in terms of basically paying Dalvin. I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of eleven million on average for his two-year deal. Eleven, I think it was two for twenty-two, somewhere around there. And then Stefan, the release saved them almost four million dollars. So if you just look at it like if they're paying eleven for Dalvin. They were able to save $4 million off Stefan, and then that you know $7 million for Dalvin is essentially what they paid to upgrade to that extreme, right? And it's a, it's a younger player, so it makes sense. But amongst other things, that's something I want you to consider, right? Because now, when these guys get released over the next two, three, four weeks, and so on, those guys will need work, and they'll need work in a market that is much less saturated and in a market where teams have even less money to work with. And in most cases, these guys that are going to be released are going to be veteran guys. Like we just saw Kyle Fuller from the Bears just got released. A really good corner that's a veteran guy that, you know, may at this point, I mean, if Patrick Peterson just find, signed for one year, 10 million, I would think that Kyle Fuller would be somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe one year, 12 million, something like that. So who knows? Um, and maybe a team's going to want to go ahead and get him signed long term in this market because that's a very smart thing to do. The Washington football team was able to do that with Kurt, Curtis Samuel. And I thought that was a great move considering like, look, when you're in a free agency period where for whatever the reason might be, Guys are signing deals for far less, at least two, three, four, five million dollars less per season than they would have otherwise. It's a wise move to spend more money and to get those guys locked up under multi year contracts. And that's what we've seen Bill Belichick do. And that's what we've seen a lot of these really good teams do. So um, I wanted to talk about just that aspect of it. A lot of them are all these signings mean other guys out the door. Also, that works the same way with the draft, right? We see you know, a team brings in seven or eight guys via the draft in April. And then in a corresponding move a few months later, we'll see two, three, four guys released from their team that are veteran players that are then even at a later date in a market with people where teams have even less money. And the demand is also even less because most teams have drafted and and have signed all the free agents that they really needed to sign. Not that they're always not looking, they are. But, um, you know, I think that's something to, to just think about. Also, over the next week or two, we will start seeing not only guys being released, but we will start seeing just veterans that haven't been signed yet start to be signed. And this is where I see, especially this season, as a real sweet spot for this year's draft. I just saw, I think Ian Rappaport tweeted that the Patriots are going to be hosting a visit with Trufant, the corner. You know, those types of veteran guys, right? Guys that just a year or two earlier in their careers were signing relatively big money contracts or were worth big money. And um, now those guys are going to be on the market, again, age 30 to 33 years old, from anywhere from two, two and a half million to 
six, eight, nine million or whatever. But if they're worth eight or nine, they're going to be really valuable. And it's just, it's just value, right? It's, it's in my opinion, there is no sweeter spot than that specific area, age 30 to 33. Why? Because they're proven players, right? When you're 30 years old in the National Football League and you've been a, a multi-year starter like most of these guys I'm talking about have been, you know, you're a proven player, right? We know NFL teams know your strengths. They know your weaknesses. They know where to utilize your talent at, right? Then the age, because they're a little older, brings their price down. So even not only the age in this offseason, but the fact that we're dealing with a decreased salary cap is also going to bring their price down, right? So it was already lower, and now you're older, and you don't have a team a week or two or three after free agency has started, so the teams have all the leverage in the negotiations. So what are you getting? You're getting a, oh, by the way, it won't ruin your compensatory pick formula by signing somebody for $2, 3000000 million. The, the price will be cheaper. The um, unlike most rookies, you're going to be signing an instant impact starter for almost in some in many cases for almost as long as you would be drafting a rookie in the first, second, third round, right? A four, four year contract or whatever. If you can get them to sign a three year deal and if they can play that three year deal out, they're 30 years old and they're able to play for two or three years. That's a huge win, right? You're getting a guy for three, four, five million bucks in many cases. And you're getting an instant impact starter, unlike when you draft a guy in the first, second, or third round. I mean, maybe when you draft him in the first round, but even still, this is more of a guarantee that you're going to get an instant impact starter. And the only real downside to this is that, again, you don't have a potential 10-year career to look forward to. You've got two, three, four years, you know, so... That's um, something that, in my opinion, is is very undervalued in every year, but especially in this year because they're already cheap. Now they're going to be even cheaper. So I think that's something that we all need to be paying attention to. Okay, I'm going to go through each team's free agent signings just to kind of do a free agent recap or whatever. And because um, I know I haven't done one in a few days, so there have been many more signings, but I was kind of doing that by design. I was watching film, needed to catch up on that anyways, and I wanted to be able to really look through a bunch of signings when I did come back to it. So uh, being that today's Friday, we're going to do that. So starting with the Buffalo Bills, because they're first in alphabetical order, they've signed Emmanuel Sanders and Mitchell Trubisky. Those are the two big ones amongst the re-signings, but I've already talked about those. So they have also re-signed Levi Wallace. So take that for what you will. But And punter Matt, Matt Hack. But um, look, Trubisky, you know, you can make fun of it all you want. One year deal for $2.5 million is an absolute steal. Backup quarterback is a position the New Orleans Saints once traded a third round pick for. Okay, it's a valuable position because if one bad thing in terms of an injury happens to any starting quarterback, the backup goes in 90% of the time, it's over, right? Your hope for a season is over. The last time we saw a very good backup quarterback step in for a starter in a playoff run team, it was the Philadelphia Eagles, and they happened to win the whole damn thing with Nick Foles. So do not underestimate having that guy in your system and, and uh, in place for you. And Mitch Trubisky, at this stage in his career particularly, is a guy that is a legitimate starter, right? I mean, he's he's not bad. You know, he's it's not like he's great. But um, he was starting a playoff game last year, and he actually rescued the Bears' season from that standpoint. So I think him for a $2.5 million deal, 
phenomenal value, and I love it for the Buffalo Bills. And they just continue to do the right thing, whether it be little or big, right? And then they also signed Emmanuel Sanders. And you look at that, you say, I saw Warren Sharp tweeted like, oh, wow, Emmanuel Sanders is making more than John Brown. And it was like, I took that as his way of insinuating that the Bills screwed up there. No, I even referenced on the podcast one day, I think it was earlier this week or last week, that there's a decent chance Buffalo asked John Brown to take a pay cut and what they always do, right? That the ultimatum, like, hey, would you be interested in playing for five or six million? Because I think his cap number was around nine or ten. If if you would, well, we'd love to keep you. If not, you can go test your mark in free agency. And evidently, if they did ask him, then he said no. If they didn't ask him, they were just probably like, hey, he's you know he's not going to want to take whatever it might be. But they went out and signed Emmanuel Sanders for six million. But the point I'm making in, in regards to Warren Sharp there is Warren Sharp was looking at what John Brown signed for right he was under contract with buffalo so the the money that they saved and they did save money from emmanuel sanders and john brown there is valuable it's at most likely around i think it was three four five million a year at least three probably five or six okay so they definitely save money and when you look at what are they doing in terms of Emmanuel Sanders, you're saying, why are, they, why are they signing Emmanuel Sanders there when they've already got, you know, Gabriel Davis? They've, they've got Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs, and Cole Beasley. That's three legit receivers. They didn't even need John Brown. Now they don't need Emmanuel Sanders. Well, hold on. Last year, for the majority of the season, I know John Brown had some injuries. He was battling. But for the majority of the season, they had four and five receivers, even with Isaiah McKenzie, I think is his name. So McKenzie now gets to keep his same role. Gabriel Davis takes on the number three receiver role and Emmanuel Sanders is going to come in there and be that fourth guy. The the Buffalo Bills, they don't want to be a team that you can just hone in on one guy or two guys. Like they want to spread that football around and they want to make things as difficult as humanly possible on opposing defenses, especially since they know that defenses now know that they're likely going to have to pass the football more so than they did over the first two years of Josh Allen's career, right? So when you have that and you have multiple options, then they're still trying, from my knowledge, to trade for Zach Ertz. So they did try also to trade for Rob Gronkowski. They're, they're still trying to surround Josh Allen with playmakers, and I don't blame them one bit. That just makes it you know, the the defense have to worry about so many different other things. And if they don't want to worry about a bunch of other things, well, then you're just going to take what's there and consistently move that football. So I like what the Bills are doing. I think they're obviously they know what they're doing. Miami Dolphins have signed Jacoby Percet to a one year five million dollar deal with a max value of seven point five million. I'll tell you what, Jacoby Percet is a guy that, in my opinion, right now could at least from what we last saw from Tua Tagovailoa. Jacoby Brissett might be the better quarterback. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in Miami if Tua starts the season slow next year. I don't think he will. I think Tua will be okay. But my my take still is if they, you know, if Jacoby Brissett is sitting there and you know he's the better option, similar to Fitzpatrick last year, what is Flores going to do if that situation presents itself? But it's a backup. It's a, to be fair to Tua here, this deal, monetarily speaking, is a backup quarterback contract with it's it's sort of in the range of backup to potentially compete to start money, right? Which means compete to start would be the one level up from backup, and then the starter money would be after that. So Jacoby Brissett is right on their backups, backup money essentially with maybe $7.5 million. If you call that compete to start money, that's where the incentives and the max value of his deal is. So they also signed Malcolm Brown running back from the Rams. They also signed Will Fuller. 
So they signed Will to a one-year $10.6 million fully guaranteed that includes another $3 million in potential incentives. So don't know what those incentives are, but I, I, I do think that Will Fuller's a good fit there. I actually responded to somebody on Instagram the other day. They asked me, hey, where do you think Will Fuller's going to go? And I said, maybe the Dolphins. And I give the little arms up emoji like, I don't know. you know. But I just to me, it made sense, and I'm happy they were able to get him because they need they do need somebody that can stretch the field, and that's something. If Will Fuller's healthy, he can certainly do. They also signed Adam Butler, two years, nine point five million dollars. I love that signing. He's one of my favorite defensive tackles from this free agency class, and they also got nickel corner from the Lions, Justin Coleman, who signed a one year deal up uh, for up to two point seven five million in value in Michael Pilardi, the punter as well. Justin Coleman, to get back to him real quick, I believe was the highest paid nickel cornerback in football. So going from that to getting him, if you're Miami for two point seven five million or potentially up to two point seven five million is a phenomenal deal for the Dolphins. And if you look at the Patriots, they're still doing their things. So let me just go over everybody here. Look, Cam Newton resigned him, right? Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Trent Brown, David Andrews re-signed to a four-year deal, which was gigantic. Ted Karras, who signed a one-year $4 million deal. Now, that one's interesting, right? Because that was the one that made everybody say, hey, wait, maybe they aren't going to re-sign David Andrews. Now, I'd like to see how much of that Ted Karras money is, is guaranteed because he's either going to be a backup or a cap casualty come August. Dietrich Wise agreed to a four-year contract worth up to $30 million in, in terms of his re-signing. So that's actually quite a bit more than I thought he would get. It says $10 million guaranteed, but we'll actually see when the numbers come out. And then Devon Gotchow, Montrevious Adams signed a one-year deal worth up to $2.5 million. Henry Anderson, two years, $7 million, a deal that has a max value of eleven. says Ian Rappaport. Matt Judon, Roquan McMillan, Kyle Van Noy, Justin Bethel, Jalen Mills, and Nick Folk resigned. So that right there is phenomenal for the New England Patriots. And, and I, you know, it's, it's, Fun to watch Bill Belichick this active in free agency and, and really where everybody's kind of like, what the F is going on? And what's going on is exactly what I talked about at the beginning of this podcast. Like you're seeing a much cheaper market. So you're getting guys two, three, four, five million dollars less per season than you would have otherwise gotten them. And Belichick has taken advantage of it. Who knows, man? He had his plan the whole time in all likelihood because last year he didn't try to move money around. He happily paid Joe Thune franchise tag money. You know, there were certain things last year that didn't seem right in terms of how he was going about free agency. And he just kind of had his arms up like, well, this, this is all we have in terms of money. And now all of a sudden, you see he's just unloading and he's really doing a fantastic job in my opinion. I know there are some criticism there's some criticism to be had there with like oh he signed Nelson Aguilar to 13 million when other guys are getting 10 or 11 Curtis Samuel, you know, Corey Davis only getting 12 and a half. I get that, but um you know, Belichick obviously felt that Nelson Aguilar was worth that money. Nelson's a former first round pick, so you know, Belichick has that relationship with Chip Kelly there, so he maybe he knows something about Nelson Aguilar that you know, that we don't know, but who knows? All I know is Nelson Aguilar is a pretty damn good player and Kendrick Bourne is too. And Hunter Henry is too. And John New Smith is too. So they've got plenty of weapons now, similar to how the bills are where, where they've got a bunch of different ways they can hurt you. New England, all of a sudden has kind of a similar offense, not in that it's as dynamic as Buffalo's calm down, but in that they do have multiple guys they can throw the football to now, which they did not have in years past. Oh, by the way, they still have Julian Edelman and Jacoby Myers, even though Nikhil Harry may be on his way out. I don't see anybody trading for him. Maybe he'll get cut, but you know, even still that right there is pretty, pretty good for the Patriots, at least when you compare it to what they had last year. 
The Jets re-signed Josh Adams. They signed Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, Shaq Lawson, Jared Davis, with the uh, f- former first rounder from Detroit linebacker. Um, Justin Hardy, who's got a viral press conference going around right now, and LaMarcus Joyner to a one-year $4.5 million deal. I think the Jets are quietly having an effective free agency. It's not as volume-like as the Patriots, but you're talking about Keelan Cole, Corey Davis. That's two legitimate weapons. Now that wide receiver room is, is pretty loaded, right? It's at least competent by any NFL team standards. Uh, Carl Lawson is a guy that obviously needs to finish more, but he's a big time pressure getter. And when you have Quentin Williams pushing the pocket and an edge rusher like Carl Lawson, that looks an awful little bit like what they had in San Francisco from that standpoint there. And then Jared Davis obviously has potential playing behind that defensive line will help. And then also I love the LaMarcus Joyner signing. So I like what the Jets have done so far and I can't wait to see what they do with their very first draft pick because that right there will tell us a lot. And I don't know, you know, there's no harm, no foul if they can't trade Sam Darnold and they also do not want to just release him. There's no, I mean, have him as a backup or let them compete it out, see what happens, you know, with, with whoever you draft at number two so, or just give him another year. But I would be less in favor of just giving him another year unless you draft another guy, right? There's nothing wrong with drafting a guy at two and still letting Sam compete it out, and maybe Sam wins the job and starts Sam for a year. Maybe then you'll get yourself a compensatory pick next year. Who knows? But I don't think there's anything wrong with playing the best player if you choose to keep Sam and draft a quarterback. All right, Baltimore Ravens, they traded for Josh Oliver, somebody I believe I had a second or third round grade or maybe a late two, early three on the tight end Josh Oliver. If I remember correctly, went to like San Diego State or something like that, San Jose State. Somewhere in there, but he's a very athletic tight end. I like that trade. For Baltimore, they signed Kevin Zeitler, who's a stud guard, to a three-year, $22 million deal. Tyus Bowser, Pernomic Fee re-signed. Justin Ellis re-signed. And Derek Wolf also re-signed. All to reasonable financial deals. So I think the Ravens, even though, you know, a lot of times, guys, when you have a really good football team, you can't sign seven, eight, nine starters like the Patriots did. The Patriots did that because they didn't have very good players, right? You you signed a bunch of – you signed three or four quality guys and re-signed three guys here. This is a fine free agency so far for the Ravens. Guys, free agency is far from over. As I stated, and as you'll see over the next few weeks, there will be multiple, multiple veteran guys, 20, 30, 40, 50 veteran guys that are signed to one year, $6 million deals, one year, $3 million, one, two years, $5 million, whatever it might be. But there will be multiple guys signed to those types of deals. And these will be guys that are starters, in large part, starters in uh, week one of this next season. The Cincinnati Bengals have just signed Riley Reef, the offensive tackle. So that's nice there. Some bolstering up of the offensive line. They also, and by the way, to go back to what I was saying, how some of these signings are going to equal some of the some additional releases. Well, now Bobby Hart, who's a competent tackle, even though nobody likes him, he's a competent right tackle, is now floating around on the open market, you know, and that's just what we're gonna see more of. Trey Hendrickson deal. I know everybody went nuts over that four-year, $60 million deal, but I believe it's just a one-year deal, essentially, right? With basically an out clause for the team after that. So don't don't you know make too much of that. The Larry Ogunjobi one is one that I'm very excited about because I think that that could be 
one of those low-risk, high-reward signings for the Cincinnati Bengals. Chidobe Awuzie, a three-year, $21 million deal, much cheaper than I thought he would get, much cheaper. Tony Brown re-signed. Mike Hilton, one of the better nickel corners in the NFL, goes right to Cincinnati, so that's pretty cool. Four-year deal worth $24 million unbelievably cheap that's the same deal as Jalen Mills I think Mike Hilton we can all agree has been a better player at least to this point than Jalen Mills has been and Mike Hilton you know cashes in with the Bengals but that's a very team-friendly deal so and also Brandon Wilson resigned and long snapper Clark Harris also resigned for them so nice I think it's a nice free agency for the Cincinnati Bengals Cleveland Browns, Rashard Higgins re-signed, JoJo Natson re-signed, so wide receiver JoJo Natson, offensive tackle Greg Sinat, somebody who I liked as a very intriguing type of guy um, before the uh, before the draft that year, has signed with the Browns. Takaris McKinley, one-year, $4 million deal. I thought for sure this guy would cost 10 or $7 million with maybe take it up to incentives 10 or 12 Can't believe it's only one-year, $4 million. That's an absolute steal. I honestly think he is an upgrade over um, Olivier Vernon, and Vernon was a double-digit sack guy, I believe, last year, but I still think that. You know, I just think very highly of Takaris McKinley. I've seen what his high end looks like, and believe me, it's high. Malcolm Brown re-signed Troy Hill, the the big, uh, or the former Rams corner, I believe, signed a four-year, $24 million deal. I think that's really good value for Troy Hill. And then John Johnson was the big signing, three years, $33.75 million with 24 allegedly guaranteed. I have to say allegedly because a lot of times these agents are the ones reporting this, these numbers to the to the quote-unquote insiders, and you don't ever know if the agents are giving you the real deal or they're just giving you the you know best-case scenario guaranteed portion. The Steelers, we all know they don't have much money, but they did re-sign Ray-Ray McLeod. Um, Zach Banner to a two-year, $9.5 million deal with a $3.25 million signing bonus. So they actually really wanted Zach Banner. That's decent money for him. Um, offensive lineman B.J. Finney signed a one-year deal, and then Cameron Sutton is staying in Pittsburgh on a two-year, $9 million deal. And we just, right before I started recording the podcast, we just learned that Juju Smith-Schuster willingly took five, I'm sorry, wait, yes, $5 million less than what he was offered by the Baltimore Ravens and incentives, I believe, to stay in Pittsburgh, that the Steelers at the last second upped their offer from seven point five million to eight million, and they that was enough to convince Juju to stay in the in uh, Pittsburgh Steelers black and yellow. And this was a deal. The other deal was by the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles were in on it too. So for Juju not to go to Kansas City, which is like the perfect, he was the perfect missing piece for Kansas City. I can't believe he elected to stay in Pittsburgh, but I respect it. And and uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Houston Texans are the next team we're talking about. One year, $5.5 million deal for Tyrod Taylor. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's, you know, they are trading Watson. I don't think that means they're trading Watson. I think that means they wanted the quality backup and somebody that now they can expand their options with just in case they end up trading Watson. I don't think this means they're any more likely to trade Watson, though. Mark Ingram, Andre Roberts, Alex Erickson, Dante Moncrief, Farrell Brown, tight end, tight end Ryan Izzo was traded by the Patriots to them. Um, obviously, Marcus Cannon was traded to them. Justin McCray signed a two-year. I mean, they just a lot of really. I mean, holy crap! They've they've acquired so many players. Like literally, I'm not even gonna read all these, but like probably 20, 25 players, including Desmond King, which was only signed to a one-year, $3.5 million deal, which is pretty crazy because this time last year, we thought Desmond King was one of the better nickels in the NFL. So that's wild. Um, Terrence Mitchell as well. They've signed a bunch of guys, and I think that 
you know, they've really taken a page out of the book that I've been banging on, which is, you know, low risk, high upside guys. And, and not that all these guys are, are high upside, but they're low risk, moderate upside, low risk, decent upside, et cetera, et cetera. So I like what the Texans are doing. Indianapolis Colts have only made two transactions so far this season. That's Marlon Mack re-signed to a one-year $2 million deal, and they also traded for some guy named Carson Wentz. All right, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are very similarly built to the I mean, uh, building in a similar way to the Houston Texans have elected to go. They've, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 guys have been acquired. The largest of acquisition was being Shaquille Griffin and Sidney Jones re-signed. You know, just a bunch of guys. I've been over most of them, so I'm not going to not gonna go over them. But, um, oh, also Rayshon Jenkins agreed to a four-year $35 million deal. Wow, that's more money than I thought he'd get. Titans, Anthony Frisker, tight end, has agreed to a one-year deal. Uh, I mean, the Titans have been actually relatively busy, right? Jeff Swain, and this is what, what happens when you don't, unfortunately, the Titans have not drafted well in many, in multiple seasons now. So they, but they have been able to sign some good free agents and they, in this year is no different. Janoris Jenkins, Kevin Johnson, the other corner, Bud Dupree, Jayon Brown re-signed to a $5 million deal. Danico Autry, Ty Sambrio. Um, and a couple tight ends in the offensive tackle. So that, I like what they're doing, right? I, I definitely like what they're doing. I hope Bud Dupree can stay healthy because if he can, it's really going to look like a much better free agency than we expected from Tennessee. Denver Broncos have signed Mike Boone to replace Phillip Lindsay, who they just let walk. Shelby Harris obviously re-signed. They were able to get Justin Simmons re-signed and signed Ronald Darby to a three-year $30 million deal. So I like what Denver's doing so far. Kansas City Chiefs, Blake Bell has re-signed, or I mean, has, yeah, I think he's has signed, okay, Kyle Long, which is nice, um, $1.5 million deal that could be worth up to $5 million with incentives, so I like that. Joe Thune, uh, five-year, $80 million deal, obviously that's a bunch of money. Mike Rimmers re-signed with a one-year contract, take it up to $7 million. Mike Rimmers, to me, will be able to go back to right tackle, where I told you guys multiple times he's a decent to solid starter at the right tackle position in the NFL. So I like that a lot for them. And then Taco Charlton re-signed on a one-year deal. So I like what the Chiefs are doing. I mean, it, they don't have a ton of cap space to work with, but they're doing what they can. They were able to create like $27 million by restructuring Kelsey and Mahomes and Chris Jones, I believe. So that works when you have that kind of luxury, right? Kenyon Drake by the Raiders was re, was signed to a two-year $11 million deal with a max value of 14.5. Guys, don't worry about this. Like his first year's cap hit is probably like $5 million, $4 million. It's not that big of a deal. He'll likely be released after one year if he doesn't impress. So not a big deal. They were able to also re-sign Theo Riddick to a little over a million dollars, signed John Brown to a one-year 3.75 that's worth up to 5.5. So that's solid. Zay Jones is uh, expected to re-sign. Richie Incognito is going to re-sign on a one-year deal. <clears throat> Nick Martin re-signs uh, with the Raiders. Denzel Good. Yannick Ngakwe was the big one. Jonathan Hankins. Quentin Jefferson. Solomon Thomas. Wow, one year up to $5 million. I like that a lot. And, and that's a perfect spot for him to go to, right? They That was one of my favorite free agents when I'm looking at it. And I'm just saying, who can be that guy? Who can potentially be that Shaq Barrett kind of guy this year? And that guy is Solomon Thomas. Like he has that kind of talent. He just he had it has to be unleashed out of him. I'm I'm curious to see what kind of role he'll play there. And hopefully John Gruden and those guys can get that out of him. 
All right, Chargers have signed Jared Cook. When you lose Hunter Henry, you got to bring somebody in, right? And talent in, talent out. So Jared Cook is not that far behind on talent, and he is much, much cheaper than Hunter Henry. So that will certainly work for a replacement, at least for one year. And then, of course, the offensive line was upgraded by Matt Filer signing in the Corey Lindsley, making him the highest-paid center in football, and then bringing back my guy Michael Davis and kicker Michael Badgley resigns to a one-year deal. So I, I, I like what the Los Angeles Chargers are doing for sure. I think that, you know, they it, it was a little weird, but a lot of times weird stuff happens when you get a new coach in there. So I totally understand it, and I don't mind it at all. All right, let's talk about a little bit of the Dallas Cowboys now as you move on. Of course, they re-signed Dak Prescott. That's their big shiny present you know new toy so to speak for this free agency period and obviously Dak getting that 160 million dollar contract which you know that's no no trump change but some other signings i like are ty and shecky to a one-year deal i thought he was a solid offensive tackle for a guy that you just need that that you know you can rely on to be a quality backup that swing tackle you know a guy that can come in and start if need be i think is solid carlos watkins agreed to terms on a one-year deal brett urban terrell basham who i like is is a real as a situational pass rusher um sign there cj goodwin to a two-year deal jordan lewis resign and then long snapper jake mcquaid was uh signed also for the giants let's look what they've done mike glennon so a, a solid backup quarterback Devonte booker to a two-year six million dollar deal giants fans went berserk about this as if to say it's almost like they thought they paid him a hundred million dollars so he, it was a two-year six it's three million dollars a year and most likely it's like three and a half million this year two and a half million next year so it's it's really not a big deal guys John Ross um, agreed to terms in a one-year up to $2.5 million deal with a $1 million guaranteed. So obviously, when you talk about low risk, high upside, that's what John Ross gives you. He's at, I mean, especially at this price, right? He's a former top 10 pick in the NFL draft. I think it was ninth overall. So there's nothing wrong with that in terms of upside. The guy ran like 4-2 laser, so he can obviously fly. Bring in Kyle Rudolph to give you some more options there at the tight end position, FA. Ifedi Odenegbo, for, uh, former Viking, signed a one-year $2.5 million deal. Obviously, you re-signed Leonard Williams, and you also brought in Richie Ragland. So the Giants are doing their thing. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is this. The Giants have drafted well in recent years. They've drafted well, and they just they have a couple of needs, and they've kind of addressed them. I think they'll still basically address the rest of them with um, either Kenny Galladay. That would be you know mainly if they were if they're able to sign Kenny Galladay. It's my opinion that other than offensive line, they don't necessarily have any glaring needs, and that's exactly how you want to be entering the NFL draft, right? So if they can, there's there are a good amount of you know offensive linemen still out there in free agency, so maybe they can add some depth that way. But if they're able to get Galladay done, I think the Giants fans will be relatively happy with this free agency, especially because if you look at historically, right, and Dave Gettleman's career as a general manager. He is pretty damn good at picking those 30 to 32 year old veterans like Antoine Buffet, you know, Michael Lord. He's pretty good at that part of free agency, week two, three, four, five, whatever. He's he's really, that's where he excels, in my opinion. So I can't wait to see what he does from that standpoint. The Eagles obviously don't have much in the way of cap space. Um, they were able to get Hassan Ridgeway signed to a new deal, and safety Andrew Adams was able to sign there. So shout out to Philly for that. Washington football team signed Ryan Fitzmagic. And I mean this literally when I, I'm going to say, guys, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, a one-year $10 million deal with a max value of $12 million, it might go down as the signing of free agency from a value standpoint, right? If you're going to get a quarterback that's going to start all 16 games, which is realistically what Ryan Fitzpatrick could do, and he's going to play above average quarterback play for that price, like that's legitimate value in my opinion so wouldn't shock me if that happened and i and i sort of expected to and i and they believe me when i say they could win the nfc east if that happens lamar miller re-signed curtis samuel signed to a three-year 34 and a half million dollar deal brandon sheriff received the franchise tag tyler larson signed david mayo signed i like it former panther knows ron rivera from those years there and william jackson was signed to a three-year 40.5 million dollar deal so look you let ronald darby go he signed William Jackson. He's a younger guy to go along with kind of a younger team. But I'll tell you what, he certainly has more upside than Ronald Darby. And he was actually signed to just a little bit more money, but um, not as much as I thought he would get. And then Dustin Hopkins was re-signed as well, which to a much cheaper deal than I, than I anticipated. So I like what Washington's done a lot over there for sure. Chicago Bears have signed Andy Dalton to a one-year $10 million deal with a max value of 13 with incentives they've franchised. And Allen Robinson has signed the franchise tag, which is very smart on his part, an emotionally intelligent move on his part, because I know he doesn't want to be there. But if you don't re- if you don't sign that thing and it gets rescinded on you, now you're going to have to go play for 9 or $10 million and no that's a, that would be devastating financially for Allen as he now signed and he locked in that price of like 15, 16 million bucks. So definitely not a bad move on his part to go ahead and get that signed, even though he doesn't want to stay there. Jermaine Effetti re-signed a one-year up to $5 million contract. Mario Edwards Jr., three years, $11.5 million, re-signed there. And Alexander Blackson, two-year deal. Safety Devin Bush agreed on a new one-year deal. Cairo Santos re-signed with a three-year $9 million deal, max value of 11. And then punter and a long snapper were signed as well. So the Detroit Lions, let's talk about them real quick. Of course, the Jared Goff trade became official, so no more Stafford, insert Goff. Tim Boyle became now a um, another, he's going to, I guess, sign a one-year deal there for $2.5 million. Running back Jamal Williams, two years worth up to $7.5 million. That's a phenomenal value in my opinion. And I'll tell you what, fantasy owners are not going to like this because he is going to come in there and he is going to get 30 to 40% of the workload right off the bat. You know why? Because he's better than Kerryon Johnson. He's a really good football player. And I think that, look, he may be a guy you want to go ahead and draft in fantasy late in the last round or so because I could honestly see a world in where he is the best running back in Detroit, and that's widely known by week 9 or 10. All right, Brashad Perryman signed to a one-year $3 million deal with the Detroit Lions, so I like that value a lot. I think Perryman's been playing better and better lately. Tyrell Williams obviously signed a while ago. Josh Hill, Romeo Aquara re-signed. Michael Brockers was traded for like a 2023-7th, so that's obviously a phenomenal deal there. They need to to beef up the interior of the defensive line. Brocker certainly does that. The only thing the Packers have done so far is re-sign Aaron Jones. And why is that not worrisome? Well, that's because we all know the most valuable part of free agency is yet to come. So stay in there and stay patient, Packer fans. All right, the Minnesota Vikings, Chad Beebe has re-signed. Rashad Hill re-signed. Stephen Weatherly goes back from Carolina to Minnesota. Dalvin Tomlinson, obviously the big prize there, along with Patrick Peterson and Nick Vigil, re-signed one year, one mil. Um, let's talk about the, and look, I like that for the, for the Minnesota Vikings, just so you guys know, I really like both of your young corners, the guys you drafted last year. So the other day when I, when I said that about them, it wasn't a shot at them. It was just the simple fact that, look, 
maybe those one of those guys would be better off playing inside and you let a veteran, a much better player right now, Patrick Peterson, go ahead and start opposite one of the young one of the young kids there. At, now, what do you do with Mike Hughes is my question for you guys, though. Interesting to see. I, I mean, I would imagine he has some, you know, maybe fifth or sixth round trade value at least, right? Or you just stay in there, let them all compete it out. That's probably what I do. The Atlanta Falcons haven't been able to do much. As we know, they have um, limited cap space, but they were able to get Lee Smith from the Buffalo Bills. They were able to get linebacker Brandon Copeland signed and Eric Harris safety as well. My Carolina Panthers, what they do, they sign David Moore. Well, when you lose Curtis Samuel, you've got to replace him. Talent in, talent out. David Moore isn't quite the same talent as Curtis Samuel, but he's a sufficient, I guess, third option, at least for now. We'll see what happens with the rest of the free agency in the draft. But right now, he's a guy, two years, 4.75, cheap cheap money for a potential third wide receiver in that offense. Cam Irving, low risk, high upside. uh, Taylor Moten received the franchise tag. Pat Elfline, low risk, high upside. Yeah, I say high upside. I mean moderate, I guess you could say. But he's a guy that was a former third-round pick, and he has starts and experience under his belt. So who knows what happens with uh, a different system here. Denzel Perryman, somebody I really like. Hassan Reddick, I love the value of that deal. Look, one year, $8 million, $6 million guaranteed. I'm totally fine with that. I really like Morgan Fox, a guy that had six sacks last year for the Rams, signs a two-year, $8 million deal with seven guaranteed, allegedly. And they also were able to re-sign long sna- long-time long snapper J.J. Jansen, who I don't think he's had a bad snap in like, I don't know, five years or some crazy amount of time. Excuse me, guys, real quick. All right. Saints, Jameis Winston, re-signed to a one-year $5.5 million dollar deal that includes four and a half million dollar signing bonus one million dollar fully guaranteed base salary so essentially the five and a half million dollars Jameis signed for is fully guaranteed and then there are incentives that could take that deal up 12 and a half million so that's cool ty montgomery resigned james hurst signed to a three-year deal pj williams resigned one year 2.3 that's fully guaranteed money and then marcus williams received the franchise tag it's like Saints, you guys don't have any money. Why don't you just let Marcus Williams walk, get your third-round comp pick? I don't think he's that integral to what you do on the defense side of the ball, but hey, who am I? All right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chris Godwin received the franchise tag. Gronkowski, one year, $8 million, worth up to 10 potentially in incentives. Um, was re-signed. Offensive guard, Stinney was re-signed. Shaq Barrett was re-signed to a four-year, $68 million deal. Levante David, two years. 25 million, which is, in my opinion, a great value for him because he's still one of the very best at his position in the NFL. And then Kevin Minter and Ryan Suckup also resigned. So I like what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing. I think they, I mean, they're just sometimes you get in that zone where you can't miss. That's the Buccaneers lately with their with their player personnel moves. They just can't miss, right? All right, let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. AJ Green signs one year deal base uh, value of $6 million. We'll see what, you know, how that goes, but I like it. I I definitely don't mind it at all. Kelvin Beecham resigns on a two-year $4 million deal, $2 million guaranteed. Rodney Hudson, which is my, I think is probably their best move this offseason, was traded. They gave, they gave a three and they get back a, um, 
Rodney Hudson in seven. So I like that a lot. Marcus Golden was re-signed to a two-year $9 million. You, you have to be able to kind of soften the blow of losing Hassan Reddick, and Marcus Golden does that for you at a cheaper price, albeit by not a ton, but by a little cheaper. J.J. Watt, of course, was the one that everybody's going to talk about, but I don't really think that's all that great of a signing at this point in his career. I mean, it could be, I guess. Who knows? Tanner Vallejo re-signed. Robert Alford, Andy Lee, and Matt Prater all signed as well. So I like what the Cardinals are doing. I don't, I'm not necessarily in love with it, but I'll tell you what, when you look at their roster, pound for pound, there are not many areas where you just say, well, they need some help here. You know, they need a lot of help right here. They, they're pretty well-rounded. So I would imagine that teams are going to, I mean, that the ownership there and the fan base there is going to expect wins. So we'll see what happens with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray there in 2021. All right, Rams, Matthew Stafford, Leonard Floyd. That's all we got, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's plenty, right? Those are big blue chip caliber players, so I'm fine with it, but that's what we've got here. The 49ers were able to re-sign Kyle's use check and Trent Williams to big, you know, five and six year contracts. So that's awesome. Trent Sherfield was signed to a one-year deal, the wide receiver from Arizona, that is. Alex Mack, one year, five and a half million dollar deal for like the 37-year-old center. DJ Jones re-signs on a one-year contract. I like the low at risk, high upside signing of Samson Ebucam and Emmanuel Mosley signs to a two-year deal. And also Jason Brett. So a lot of re uh, some crucial re-signings, some re-signings that we may not look at and say, hey, these are huge, but they're actually kind of big, right? You don't want to lose Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Brett because from in large part, they were your two starting corners last year. To get those guys both re-signed for basically $5 million AAV is a solid value for that team. Seattle Seahawks now, they signed Gerald Everett to a one-year up to $7 million deal, $6 million allegedly guaranteed. Um, I like that, actually. I think that's one of those low-risk, high-upside signings. The Seahawks have been seemingly signing a tight end every year in free agency trying to kind of hit out of the park, and they finally did so, or they may have done so with Gerald Everett. I like this signing, though. I think he's young enough and certainly talented enough to really be a nice red zone threat, if nothing else, there for Seattle. Gabe Jackson was acquired in a trade with the Raiders for a 2021 fifth-round pick. Ethan Pochich was re-signed to a $3 million deal. Puna Ford re-signs nose tackle Puna Ford two-year deal worth up to $14 million with incentives. I like that, and I really like this low-risk, high-upside signing of Akello Weatherspoon. One year, $4 million. It's fully guaranteed. So you lose Griffin, you bring in Akello Weatherspoon, who may end up being a better player at you know what, $10 million less annually. So that um, obviously could work out in Seattle's favor. Big time, if Seattle hits on the Gerald Everett signing and the Akella Witherspoon signing, you're going to look at this and say, wow, what an awesome free agency for the Seattle Seahawks. So that was every move I got you guys caught up on. If you haven't been paying attention to the Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter tweets, but um, look, man, I think that we're, we're just now entering free agency. So to fans of teams like the Packers and, the Rams or teams like that that haven't done a lot in free agency, I tell you this, be patient. You've got multiple weeks left of this to go. It's going to be a slow drip now of veteran signing, mainly one or two-year deals. And I think those are, at least in my opinion, the most valuable from a standpoint of what you get immediately in terms of starting starter production from players that are proven and um, for value, you know, two, three, four, five, six million bucks a year, stuff like that. So especially the longer it goes where a guy is holding out looking for work, the longer, I mean, the cheaper it could potentially be in terms of what he'll actually play for. So stay patient, stay watching. And I appreciate you guys for listening to the podcast. That's going to do it for this one. Peace.